0: Friends, Welcome to the Monica Swanson Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, wife to Dr. Dave, podcast host, and author of Boy Mom, and soon to be released, Raising Amazing. Here on the podcast, it is my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising amazing kids and building strong families. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you be encouraged.
1: But I want to tell parents right now, you don't have to be the expert. You don't have to have all the answers. If you build a relationship, give kids a safe place and invite conversation, that is the beginning formula to passing on your faith to your kids.
0: Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad to hang out with you today and I'm so happy to get to share this interview with all of you. Now, I've been a fan of Sean McDowell for a long time and as I tell him in the interview, even before him, I've been following his dad, Josh McDowell, for years and years. And so this was really special for me and I'm just excited to share what Sean um, is doing. He is a busy guy. I've got links in show notes to his YouTube channel, his Instagram feed. He is a busy man, and I'm so stoked about the message he's putting out into the world about really teaching our kids to have a biblical worldview, or as he calls it, a Christianly worldview. I think he's doing an amazing job, and I'm just so in line with everything that he talks about. And He has a new book uh, that is really written for teenagers, though, as I say in this interview, I think moms should read it. Moms and dads could read it. It's really helpful in starting conversations with our kids just as they're facing things that we probably didn't even think about a whole lot when we were growing up. And so his book is called A Rebel's Manifesto, Choosing Truth, Real Justice, and Love Amid the Noise of Today's World. So we're going to be talking about that. I also just have a lot of questions for him. Really enjoyed getting to know him, and I think you will too. So I don't want to say much more other than, hello, we are two weeks out from my book launch, Raising Amazing, will be out into the world on February 21st and I'm so excited to share it with all of you. And so with all of the gratitude in the world, I just want to remind you that pre-orders are a huge blessing to authors. And there is a pre-order bonus, which is for interviews with my four sons. These were a lot of fun to put together and they will not be available any longer as soon as that book comes out. So if you want to grab those, they're free of charge if you pre-order All the information, where you can pre-order and how you get those downloads immediately can be found at monicaswanson.com forward slash Raising Amazing. And again, if you have followed this podcast, if you have been blessed through my uh, blog posts, Instagram feed, anything else, I just hope you know that pre-orders are really a way you can bless authors. They mean so much. They're really kind of how the algorithm works. They tell Amazon or wherever you order that this is a book that people want to read and it helps get more copies out there, gets it in front of more faces. It helps prevent that thing that happens sometimes when a book comes out and they run out of copies because this will tell them to stock up plenty. So thank you so much in advance for those of you who will pre-order. If you've already pre ordered, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Okay, now let's dive into this really great conversation with Sean McDowell as we talk about what it means to help our kids choose truth, real justice, and love amid the noise of today's world. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Sean, welcome to the
1: podcast. Monica, it's a treat to be with you.
0: (laughs) I'm super excited. I've been a fan of yours and even before you of your dad's. Mm. Mm. So I am really excited to talk to you about some things that you talk about that I love to share with my audience. And I'm pretty sure most people are familiar with you. But before we dive in, can you just give a little introduction to who you are, your family, what you do?
1: Sure, happy to. You mentioned my father. He obviously had an influence on me, bigger Mm -hmm. than probably anybody. Josh Mm -hmm. McDowell, if the audience in case doesn't recognize, I think he's written 150 plus (sighs) books, spoken at 1,200 universities, arguably been one of the most influential Christian leaders of the past half century, Mm -hmm. and influenced me deeply more with his example, the way he Mm -hmm. loved my mom, his faithfulness in Mm -hmm. ministry, his sacrifice. And we have a wonderful relationship. And he never told me I should become an apologist or do something similar to what he does. He just encouraged me to use my gifts for the kingdom. But I've gotten a similar passion for the next generation. Mm. I teach apologetics at Biola University, Talbot School of Theology. And then I write books, have a YouTube channel, use a lot of social media Along with being a husband and a father, I'm really a communicator using every tool at my disposal to equip the next generation and also reach out to skeptics and doubters.
0: So cool. I love all of that. And I'm just curious, have you always kind of followed in this, um, in your dad's footsteps when you were younger? Is this something you did straight out of your teenage years or was there ever a season where you were like, hmm? Do something
1: else. I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do when I graduated <laughs> high school. I That's thought maybe, maybe I'll do something in politics. I kind of had a you know a, an interest in that for a season. I really wanted to go to a Christian school where I could get a Christian education because I went mm-hmm. to a public school, mm-hmm. and I wanted to play basketball in college. Mm. Oh. That was the level of my interest. And Biola was like two hours <laughs> away, one of the best Christian schools. I was able to make the team. And just had a great experience there and figured Mm. out, it wasn't really till my senior year in college, although I had some speaking opportunities earlier, I just kind of did it because like, oh, cool way to encourage students. Mm -hmm. I was a college kid. They'd pay me like 40 bucks to speak or something like that. But it wasn't really till my senior year. I took a class with the great philosopher, JP Moreland in apologetics and thought, you Mm. know what? I think I really formally want to do this more so Mm. with my life.
0: That is Awesome. So you began a relationship with Jesus at a younger age and never turned away?
1: Well, there was a season in my life where I turned away from Jesus. And you Mm -hmm. know what it's like to walk away from him and hit the end of your rope. And Mm -hmm. I did. So when I was five years old, I got down on my. (laughs) I'm glad you laughed and saw that coming, Monica. I am messing with you. I actually don't remember the first time. I believed in Jesus. It mm. just made sense to me growing up. Yeah, and uh, But I did go through a period of questioning, was mm-hmm. never that rebellious kid mm-hmm. who just was angry and turning mm-hmm. away, partly because I just had a great relationship with my parents and mm-hmm. overall a really good experience in the church and a Christian home. Mm-hmm. But I went through a questioning period. We're talking mid-90s, surfing mm-hmm. around on the internet. First time I was getting like an email address and it wasn't Google, but you could search things and found these okay. huge blogs mm-hmm. But really a lot of the atheist web began responding to mm. some of my dad's content. And mm. it's the first time I had seen that. And it kind of wow. rocked me and just went through a period of questioning, trying to figure things out, obviously came full circle, wow. but uh, that was a piece of my journey that was somewhat significant.
0: Well, I love that. And at this point, um, most listeners know, but I have three adult sons and a 12-year-old, but 18, 21, and 23-year-olds. And they so far have all also walked with the Lord since they were Mm. young. And so I love your story because I think so often... People want us to believe that like, oh, no, they all have to figure it out. They have to rebel. And I'm just like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Sometimes it is, and parents don't ultimately have control. Kids have a free will. I know you agree with that, but it doesn't Mm. have to be that way. And I love that you came from a father who was doing ministry. I mean, so often like pastors' kids get such a bad rap, and um, he was busy, But it sounds like he did it right. He still spent time with you, invested in you and his wife. And wow, that's so awesome.
1: Well, I think he did do it right. He's human and Mm. he certainly made mistakes. And he Mm -hmm. learned some things along the way because he came from such a broken family Mm. where he experienced severe sexual abuse. His older sister took her own life. My grandfather, his dad was the town drunk. He was told he was an accident. So he had mm-hmm. serious pain and mm. hurt wow. growing up. So with that background, you you gotta figure certain things out as you go. Yeah. I never questioned his love for my mom. Never mm. questioned his love for us and his sacrifice. And, you know, given the background he went through, I think it's it's pretty miraculous. The amazing yeah. father and now grandfather you know, that, that he is. So it's a testament that I think God can change anybody.
0: Definitely. Incredible story. He, I have always, I need to have your dad on the podcast. I've always wanted to. But you should. He's, he's incredible. Yeah, definitely. Well, you've written a number of books. And I said before we hit record, like, wow, you're writing a lot of books. But you probably can't help but go, well, my dad. Like, it's hard to even come close to 150, did you say? That's a lot of books he's written. Oh,
1: yeah. I have yeah. no desire of try. to compete <laughs> with my dad. On the uh, number of books. I gave up right. that a long time ago. But uh yeah. probably, I don't know, maybe twenty books written, edited, co-edited, something like that. But yeah, each book is a lot of it's a lot of work and stress and time and, a lot. and energy. You gotta pour your Definitely. passion into it. And I, I yes. try to do that.
0: You've done a great job. Well, as we are talking, your book, A Rebels Manifesto, Choosing Truth, Real Justice, and Love Amid the Noise of Today's World. Um, has come out. It's in front of me, and I've just so appreciated it. And so I kind of want to draw from that a little bit today. A lot has changed since you grew up, since your dad was parenting you, your mom was parenting you through all the things. Do you feel like things are changing at a quicker speed today, or is that just what every generation believes?
1: Well, every generation probably believes that, but I think it's empirically demonstratable today. Okay. And a lot of that is because the crazy. amount of information mm-hmm. that is available and doubling and tripling every mm-hmm. few months. I think because mm-hmm. of smartphones and social media, it's a fact that things are changing faster than mm-hmm. they ever did. So that's undeniable. Mm-hmm. And the big change from when I was a kid is really social media. Mm-hmm. That changes everything. Yeah. Now these issues that we talk about in in the book are coming across TikTok, they're on Instagram, they're on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Kids have people from all different perspectives trying Mm -hmm. to speak into their lives, telling them how to think and see the world in a way that just didn't happen Mm -hmm. in previous generations. So this information overload, constant access to different perspectives And all the other pressures social media bring is the single most significant difference since you know I was growing up in the nineties.
0: Right, definitely. Oh my goodness, yes. And you gave a little introduction to yourself, but what what are the ages of your kids now?
1: Yeah, so I have a son who's in a gap year right now. He's eighteen years old and probably go to Biola next year, which is cool. Uh, My daughter's fifteen; she's a sophomore, and then we've got a fourth grader
0: Mm. who's ten years old. (laughs) So fun. And is a fourth grader boy or girl?
1: It's so boy and then girl and then boy.
0: All right. And do your kids go to public school? What's their school situation?
1: So I taught at a private school full time for 10 years. And then when okay. I started at Biola University, I stayed on part time at this Christian school doing mm-hmm. one class. My okay. wife now teaches math there full time.
0: Okay. So
1: all of our kids go to that private school. Okay. And I mean, sometimes I think public school might be the right decision for some parents. I think homeschooling might be. Mm-hmm. For us, it's a great private school. Uh, both my wife and I teach there. It's almost like a big homeschool. We're so plugged yeah. in there. Yeah, uh, we sent him yep. to a private school in a Southern Orange County.
0: All right. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. Well, we visited Biola. That was definitely one of my boys' top top options. Oh, but they ended up at Westmont. But we love Biola. Have a okay. lot of friends who have gone there. And so you're raising your own kids while you're talking about all of this. And I mean, maybe, can you tell us what you see as like, you already mentioned information overload in social media. Would you say that's the biggest issue that, that parents need to be tuned into? Like help parents who are just overwhelmed in general. What's something you would say they need to tune into, be more educated on or learn about as they're raising these kids? Like maybe kids who aren't yet teenagers.
1: Yeah, here's what I would say. The data shows going back to the early 70s that the number one influence in the life of a teenager is not their high school teachers, it's not their pastor, it's not their friends. It's mom and it's dad. Mm-hmm. It's the parents. Clearly, so if something else becomes a prime influence, that's because somehow something's broken down and i'm not blaming mm. the parents sometimes that can happen through no fault mm-hmm. of the parents but the data shows the primary influence yep. is the parents so that's number one second how do parents best shape the next generation mm-hmm. well number two build relationships with the next generation build relationship. So perhaps the largest study I've seen on faith transmission comes from a USC professor named Vern Bengston. He wrote an Oxford Press book. Uh, it's been a few years ago now, but uh, it's called Faith and Families, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they studied 3,500 people over four generations for 35 years. Mm-hmm. And what they found is the single most significant sociological factor in faith transmission was, quote, a warm relationship Mm. with the father. Number one, doesn't make the mother unimportant. (laughs) But I think, let's face it, the father tends to be more of a wild card than the (laughs) mother does. So, number one, parents are the greatest influence. Number two, that comes through relationship. Mm -hmm. Number three the most significant way to pass on faith once you have a relationship is to engage your kids in significant spiritual conversation. Mm -hmm. Now that shouldn't surprise you and me, Monica, because Deuteronomy 6, the Mm -hmm. Shema talks about, love, Lord God, the heart, soul, mind, and strength. Talk about these with your kids. Mm -hmm. When you lie down, when you get up, when you're around the home, when you Mm -hmm. walk along the way, talk about these things. So the Book of Rebels Manifesto are the issues that kids are facing. Mm -hmm. They're to help parents, grandparents understand and engage this generation conversation. But I want to tell parents right now, you don't have to be the expert. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have all the answers. If you build a relationship, give kids a safe place and invite conversation, that is the beginning formula to Mm -hmm. passing on your faith to your kids.
0: I love that. That's awesome. I couldn't agree more. And I'm glad you said that because I have said the same thing. So I'm like, good. The influence is the parents Still. Still. And it always will be. And I just, I love that. And I love the relationship focus. And so true that we don't have to be the experts, but we can certainly guide our kids to the expert, you know, through God's word and the great resources that are out there. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying this conversation. I want to pause here real quick to share about a new podcast that I think you're going to love. Now, many of you know that this podcast is part of the Christian Parenting Podcast Network, and I've been so blessed over the years um, with the support of the Christian Parenting Podcast Network. They have so many great shows and resources, and I just love being part of their team. Well, there's a new show that is officially the Christian Parenting Podcast. Uh, This is hosted by Steph Thurling, who happens to be the executive director of Christian Parenting, and she's also the author of the book Raising Prayerful Kids. She's a former youth pastor and a mom to three kids, and I encourage you to check it out. I'm going to have a link over in show notes where you can check out Steph's new podcast, but I think you're going to feel encouraged and equipped in your parenting by listening. Um, There is one question that Steph is asking all of her guests in this new season, and it is, what is one thing you want every parent to know? Such a fun question! So I'm excited to get to answer that myself. But um, be sure to check out the Christian Parenting Podcast again. Link to that over in show notes, and um, hope you enjoy that one. And now we're going to get back to this conversation with Sean. will you talk about worldview in your book and across all your channels. Um, I love that you talk about. You use a word I had never heard until your book, which is thinking Christianly. I always say mm. biblically, but it's fun to call it Christianly. It's same thing, right? We're talking the same idea, Christianly. Yeah, biblically. there's some
1: people that might nuance and make a difference, but I'm okay. using it functionally, saying let's think about all issues in life through the lens of our Christian faith, which yep. of course is going to take us back to Scripture, the Bible. Yes.
0: Yes. So worldview, mental maps. I've got my 12-year-old doing a little worldview curriculum. So we were just talking about mental maps. And um, we are just, for anyone listening that's like, I don't really get that concept of worldview. Will you tell us what a worldview is?
1: Sure. In its most simple definition, a worldview is a view of the world. (laughs) Now, it's a perspective of reality. It's Mm -hmm. a set of ideas or beliefs that everybody has you can't not have a worldview. Mm -hmm. I think of it, like you just said, as more of a map that we are following about reality. Mm -hmm. So not a map about physical places, Mm -hmm. a map about immaterial things, Mm -hmm. ideas about what is the purpose to life? Does God exist? What is right and what is wrong? Mm -hmm. What brings real happiness? Mm -hmm. These kinds of questions, everybody has thoughts about and lives their life at least in part based on how they make sense of those questions. So I woke up one time, I was in a I, can't, I was in McPherson, Kansas, hmm. and I turned the lights off and put a towel under the door to make it dark. And I woke up and couldn't remember where I was. And I hmm. could not navigate around that room till Such I finally found feeling. the light switch and put it on. Yeah. If I'm at home and the lights go out, I have a mental map Mm -hmm. how to navigate the bathroom, the kids out the front door. Mm -hmm. Think of a worldview like a mental map that helps us navigate reality. Mm -hmm. Now, as Christians, we should think about this because Paul writes in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, Mm -hmm. but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Mm -hmm. Now, conformed is a passive word. In other words, we are naturally conformed in our Mm -hmm. thinking to the habits and patterns of the world in which we live so rather than being passively conformed we need to be actively transformed in mm-hmm. part by learning to see the world through a christian perspective mm-hmm. there's george barna who said people who see the world as jesus does are more likely to act like jesus does mm-hmm. so bottom line worldview helps us navigate reality We all have one, but the question is, where did it come from? Mm -hmm. Why do we hold the worldview that we hold? Mm -hmm. And ultimately, is our worldview biblical?
0: Right. So key. And if we have a a mental map, a worldview that's based on something other than truth, one of the little, uh, little object lessons they did for my son's class was have me give him a map of a room that's wrong, like that doesn't give him correct directions. Yeah. And he's tripping over furniture. And Mm -hmm. it just is such a great way to recognize that there are worldviews out there based on things other than truth from God's word. And so if kids are being brought up without a worldview that's based on truth, then it can be a scary world, right? You can end up somewhere you didn't mean to go. So that's that's exactly
1: right. What a great practical example for your son to work through that it's like a mental map to navigate reality. But the hard part for people is that worldviews operate below the surface, so to speak, Mm -hmm. in a way we don't see and we're not aware of. So Mm -hmm. you might think of like an iceberg above the water is what we see. But Mm -hmm. below it is what's most significant, potentially most dangerous. Worldviews are below the surface. Mm -hmm. If we don't think it through very intentionally, we can uh, not be aware of the operating assumptions that are guiding our lives. Mm -hmm. That's why policies don't be conformed to this because we will naturally just default to certain assumptions we have. Let's start running those assumptions through scripture and think deeply about those beliefs that we hold, oftentimes below the surface of our lives.
0: Awesome. That's so good. Well, okay. So for the parents listening whose kids go to school wherever they go, they've got a little social network going on. Clearly, they've got hours of the day that they could be being conformed to principles that you don't teach at home. How can we help them develop a Christian worldview, a biblical or Christianly way of thinking? What can parents do? Can you give us some hope here?
1: Well, uh, here's my advice. It's not like I'm going to give people an entirely new program that they haven't done before because (laughs) Mm -hmm. everyone's going to do it for a couple weeks, then give up and feel guilty about it. Yeah. My question is, how do we more strategically use the opportunities that are already there in our lives? Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, My my son wanted to go see, he's 18 now, when he was 14. He wanted to go see that movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, about the rock band Queen. Mm -hmm. PG-13 had some objectionable content in it, but he was 14. It's not R, wasn't over the top. So I said, okay, buddy, I'll take you and a friend, as long as when we're done... Just come back. I just want to talk to you about it. I just want to know what you think and what you Hmm. see in the movie. He goes, sure, Dad. So we go to the movie. We come back. We sit down at the dinner table. And I said, hey, what did you think? What was your favorite scene? Did you enjoy the movie? Are there any things in this movie that as Christians we can celebrate and agree with? Hmm. Then I said, are there any things that gave you pause? Hmm. Were there any ideas in this movie that as Christians we would take issue with? Did you ever feel like you were being preached to? I didn't give my son a lecture. We just had a conversation about the movie mm-hmm. and I was teaching him to filter it through a biblical lens. Mm-hmm. So that's seizing an opportunity that's there. Another example of this, my, my youngest is 10. When he was eight years old, we're driving in the car and because he's the youngest, he gets exposed to ideas with his older siblings sooner than the older kids did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if I heard someone at school, maybe his older sister mentioned abortion. So we're driving the car home. He goes, dad, what's abortion? Mm-hmm. And he's eight. Mm-hmm. Now, I wish I didn't have to have that conversation mm-hmm. with an eight year old, but the mm-hmm. reality is this is an opportunity with mm-hmm. him. So I didn't freak out. I didn't change the subject. Mm-hmm. I said, That's a really great question, buddy. I said, You know, sometimes women get pregnant and decide that they don't want to keep the baby, mm-hmm. and they'll have what's called an abortion that will end the life of the unborn. Mm hmm. Well, why would a woman do that, dad? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking through in my mind mm-hmm. what's appropriate Quick. for an eight year old. Mm-hmm. Not too much information, not too little. Yeah. Take his questions seriously. He had maybe two or three other questions. Then we moved on. Mm-hmm. So, my encouragement to parents is to look for opportunities mm-hmm. that are there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is just regular carving out dinner time together as mm-hmm. a family. It doesn't have to always be super spiritual. My family doesn't even do formal devotionals. Mm -hmm. But we sit down together. We relate together. And oftentimes I'll ask questions and try to engage my kids in a way that can bring it back to spiritual truth. If you build a relationship with your kids, Mm -hmm. have those spiritual conversations, and by the way, we're modeling it. Mm -hmm. If our lives aren't attractive to our kids, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what we say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But if it is and we have a relationship with them, then we typically have a chance to speak into their lives and help them build a worldview. Now, there's other resources we could talk about, but that's, Mm -hmm. as a whole, I want to encourage parents to think about with their kids.
0: Awesome. Yes. And at the end of your book, you have a guide for conversations that looks Mm. like a great way to have conversations with your kids about some of the topics. Now, in this book, you don't hold back. I am, I don't. I'm so glad that you cover topics that I'm like, ah, oh, that's not for me. <laughs> My husband's always like, stay in your lane. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> there's certain things that I just don't go there. But I mean, you talk about all the things we've already mentioned, as well as politics. You talk about the environment. You talk about artificial intelligence. My oldest son was a data analytics major. So wow. AI is something we talk about here. And like, what does that look like as believers? And, um, so I love that. Uh, what? How did you? I'm just curious the story. What led you to writing this book? I know you do so much on social media. Are you hearing certain things come up? How did you choose the topics to cover?
1: So this is actually an update of the very first book that I wrote in 2006 <clears throat> called Ethics E T H I X. And that book I wrote for students. Mm -hmm. in part because I was starting to teach high school at that point and didn't have a good ethics books for students that talked about the toughest issues of the day. Hmm. I thought, well, I'm going to write it because I would use it myself. Got a publisher. It did pretty well. Well, that was before social media and the issues (laughs) have changed. And the funny thing is, Monica, I wasn't a parent at that point. So I was like, well, I guess I need 10 chapters. Why? Because books have 10 chapters. I had no (laughs) more depth than that in my Uh thinking when it came to update this, because that book was just going out of print, I thought, wait a minute. First off, I don't want chapters 4,000 words that are eight to 10 pages long. Mm -hmm. What if I could have like four page chapters, four to five pages and cover like 30 topics? Mm -hmm. That would be so much more likely to be read by students. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, this is the kind of book I would use with my own Mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. So in part, some of the questions were easy to mm-hmm. think through the toughest ethical issues, obviously I had to write a chapter on race today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously gun control, mm-hmm. obviously abortion. Mm-hmm. But I posted a lot of the questions in in like Facebook chat groups and ask youth pastors. I'm like, what are the hardest questions you're mm-hmm. getting asked? And yeah. do I cover all of them here? Because mm-hmm. the Bible, if Christianity is true, the Bible speaks in some way directly or indirectly to every issue. Yeah, And we need to be willing to say mm-hmm. uh, not so much on every single podcast, but with our kids, we need to be willing to say, hey, let's speak about this. We're yeah. not embarrassed about this. Let's go back to the scriptures. So it's mm-hmm. meant to help parents who might be a little shy and worried to talk about some of these issues. Mm-hmm. Just have some Christian reflection, totally. some ways to engage their students, understand what's going on in culture, and also some biblical principles to apply to literally, like you said, the thorniest, most controversial (laughs) issues you can find of our day.
0: Totally. Yes. And I know there's certain issues that do have a black and white biblical answer, but then there's some Mm. in here that probably would fall into that gray zone a little bit. But what I love is you're not necessarily giving your opinion, which I'm sure you have more of an opinion and probably go deeper on some of these topics with your own kids, but you give a biblical framework to see these issues through because- my husband always just really wants my kids to be thinkers, you know, like let's get them to think critically about these things. And if there's not a clear answer, then let's look at biblical principles to help us kind of get through the weeds.
1: Right. Beautiful. Yes. I think the Bible directly speaks to some issues. Mm -hmm. It directly speaks to issues like sexuality, lays Mm -hmm. out the marriages, one man, one woman, Mm -hmm. one flesh, one lifetime, but gun control Obviously, the Bible is right? not going to directly speak to gun control, but it speaks right. to loving our neighbors, yeah. speaks to the value of human life.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: there's been a debate in the church about the use appropriate or inappropriate use of violence. Mm-hmm. So on some issues like life, I'm really clear. I think mm-hmm. the Bible is black and white life. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to other issues, it's mm-hmm. a little bit more like here's the parameters. Mm-hmm. Here's bad ways of thinking. Here's some mm-hmm. biblical principles. Here's where Christians differ. Mm-hmm. You talk about this with people and think it through from a biblical perspective. So there's some totally. of both depending on the issue.
0: Yes. And the best thing we can equip our kids with is the ability to start to apply this on their own and think through things. Amen. And as my boys have gone away to college, we've you know reminded them that even in a Christian college, maybe even at Biola, (laughs) but you're going to come across sometimes professors that are, you know, adding some of their own philosophy or theology. And so be prepared to think, be a critical thinker. So what Mm. age would you say this book is for?
1: It's written for high school students, but it's done in a way like junior hires uh, certainly Mm -hmm. could understand it and could Mm -hmm. track. I've had some junior hires read it and tell me they get a lot out of it. I don't Mm -hmm. I don't think college students would feel like they're being talked down to Mm -mm. if they've read Mm -mm. it. I've had some university students say, wow, this is really helpful to me as well. Totally. But I'm focusing more on high school students. By the way, my dad actually read it. He goes, Dad, he goes, son, don't tell people this is just for students. He's like, I got a lot out of reading that book, but it's written for younger, high school aged Christians who want to learn how to think Christianly about the issues of the day, stand boldly for their faith in a culture that is increasingly, in some ways, at odds with a Christian ethic.
0: Yes. And I'll add to what your dad said. I think for the moms out there who just want to enter into these conversations, get dad involved, you might want to read it first and then give it to Mm. your kid or kind of go alongside and read it with them. Um, again, it's just a great tool or a guide. Well, I'm a fan, love it and love all the things you're doing. And, um, and I don't want to keep you any longer. So I'm going to link to all the places, your YouTube, your social media, all the things you're doing. I'm so inspired and just excited to share you with everyone. Before we go, I'd love though, for you to, I'm asking all my guests in this new year, uh, As we're talking about raising amazing kids, uh, the word amazing we define as being something that's a pleasant surprise or causes wonder. So from your work, family, or devotional life, what's something you could share with us that's caused you some wonder recently?
1: You know what's amazing? My son graduated from high school, and he's still not fully an adult, right? He's figuring certain things out.
0: I got one of those too.
1: You've got at least (laughs) one of those. Yeah,
0: he's in a gap year too.
1: All I can tell you is starting to relate to him more Mm. as an adult Mm. and just seeing the respect and the love and relationship Mm. that we have, because I've been pouring into him for 18 years, is such a blessing. Mm. And I literally would use the word to say amazing. I Mm -hmm. miss that he's outside of the home. I miss, you know, with doing trick-or-treating and little Christmas things as a kid, but every stage mm. of life is a blessing. Yeah. And seeing my son growing up, moving out at this stage, making good decisions, I'm like, mm. wow, that's amazing and a greater blessing than I could have imagined. I
0: oh, love that. Great answer. And I couldn't agree mm. more. So good. All right. Well, if somebody wants to just hop on their phone and find you right now, where can they go on wherever you like to be followed, Instagram, Somewhere like
1: that. Well, pr- the hub for everything I do would probably be my website, just seanmcdowell.org. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if somebody's on YouTube, I have a YouTube channel and cover a lot of apologetic cultural issues and have a conversation coming up soon about the data on Gen Z and how to reach them. Mm-hmm. Gen Z. That's the topic I cover. Oh. Uh, I am on Instagram and I don't just do stupid cat videos. I do certain <sighs> things that I'm up to, but a lot of it is resources and quotes and Mm -hmm. short videos answering tough questions i'm on tiktok twitter Mm. uh we even have a podcast a weekly podcast about the same length as this about 30 minutes called think biblically through biola so any of those platforms you can find me but even have a blog and resources through my website seanmcdowell.org is probably the main hub that connects it all together
0: awesome well thank you so much for taking time to hang out with us today i've been encouraged
1: Thanks, Monica. Great question. So much fun.
0: All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And of course, you'll find links to everything we talked about where you can find and follow Sean McDowell in show notes, which are found, today's show notes are found at monicaswanson.com forward slash Sean-McDowell. That's S-E-A-N-M-C-D-O-W-E-L-L. And once again, just appreciate so much those of you who have pre-ordered Raising Amazing Uh, If you're not on my email list yet, we are kind of doing a party all four weeks leading up to this launch, and so I'd love to have you join us over there. I'm doing giveaways. I'm doing special downloads, lots of party favors and treats, and you can join that email list at monicaswanson.com forward slash subscribe, and of course, the book page is found at monicaswanson.com forward slash raising amazing. All right, friends. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and until next time, aloha. Aloha.